You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Amen. All right. Well, in case you're listening to this online or at a later point, I'm sorry, I should let me back up. In case you're listening to this online at a later time, I know everybody's listening online for the most part right now, but if you happen to tune in at a later point in time, I want to quickly summarize the context of this message for you. You see, it's March 29, 2020, and we're actually meeting as a church in an online format only right now, and I'm preaching to, for the most part, an empty sanctuary. And this is all because our county, Lamar County, Texas, has been issued a shelter-in-place directive from our state and local officials due to trying to stop the spread of the COVID-19 coronavirus, which, of course, broke out first in Wuhan, China. Now, on top of that, this also happens to be my last Sunday as the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Paris. It just so happened to fall during this time. And of course, I wouldn't have planned it this way. My wife and I, Rebecca and I and our kids, wouldn't have planned for this to be the way that we say goodbye to you guys. Uh, We would love to give everybody a big hug and to tell you guys how much we love you. And I'm doing that right now. Um, and, And so, We wouldn't choose this, but we know that God has a plan in this, and I trust that the Lord is going to work all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's the promise that we have, and so this might not be ideal, but it is what God has given us, and and I'm going to embrace it fully and, and just move forward in it. These are trying times. But I pray that during this time, that we as a church and the church as a whole will find new ways to grow, new ways to reach people, new ways to answer old questions. You see, there are many people who have great questions during this time. And I want to share with you guys today about what I believe to be one of the biggest questions that we ever ask ourselves And that question is, who am I and why am I here? Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor who went on to become a a doctor, he, he said this, man's search for meaning is the primary motivation in his life. And it was Ravi Zacharias who says this, he's a Christian apologist, he says this, the inner ache of the heart is to find meaning and purpose in life. What is the purpose of life? See, only God's word answers this question thoroughly and in a way that satisfies our deepest longings. It tells us that our purpose is to know Jesus and to enjoy him forever. Let me repeat that in case you missed it. Our purpose in life, the reason we are here is to know Jesus Christ and to enjoy him forever. You see, we enjoy Jesus most by living in salvation and by working out our sanctification every single day. And so for my last message as the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel of Paris, I want to talk to you guys this morning about how this greatest of truths has shaped my life. 
So that's what we're going to talk about today is, is starting with just God's amazing grace, the amazing grace of God that he has given to us to run our race. You see, God has provided for the whole world, yes, for the whole world, through Jesus Christ. He's offered a gift, and like any gift, all that must be done is to believe and to receive what God is offering you and I. My friends, God's amazing grace must be the bedrock, the foundation, if you will, of, uh, on which your entire life is built. It is the only way to be saved. Saved from what, you ask? Well, I would tell you, saved from sin and what sin produces, which is the second death, the judgment that my sin deserves. Now, I don't know your personal story, but I know mine. Although I was raised in a Christian home with a mom and a dad who loved the Lord and attended church, I still had to deal with me. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm my own worst enemy. Now, I had heard the good news about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for the sins of the whole world when I was only four years old. I knew, even as a four-year-old, that I needed Jesus Christ to save me from eternal judgment in hell because of my sinfulness. Yes, even as a four-year-old, I knew I was a sinner. What kind of sin can a four-year-old have, you say? Well, we don't have time to go into that today. But that's not the point, you see. The point is that any sin, all sin, wherever it is found, yes, even in a four-year-old, it's, it's sin that can separate us. It's sin that separates us from knowing and having a relationship with God. Now, I went on to struggle in my life with selfishness and pride, still do, by the way, but especially living only for myself as a high school student and as a young Marine, and it wasn't until I woke up one day after a night of partying and realized how empty I was. I knew inside of me that God had a greater purpose in my life than just this. And that same day, God actually challenged me to choose who I was going to serve, myself or him. And because I knew that God was real, I could not deny that he'd been working in my life and that he had called me to live for him. I decided that day that I could no longer deny him. And that was just the beginning, of course, of God's amazing grace in my life. What's your story? You see, every Christian has a story of God's amazing grace. And it starts with these words from Scripture. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. For it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's Ephesians 2, chapter 8, or Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. God's grace in salvation is perhaps nowhere more clearly presented to us than in Ephesians chapter 1. In fact, if you've got your Bible handy, open it up to Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. This chapter is what I would call a treasure chest of spiritual gems that are there for us to discover. Therefore, any person who has heard and trusted the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Now, recently, my family and I, we visited Ken Ham's Ark Encounter in Kentucky. And in Kentucky, they have this cool experience set up. It's a a life-size ark. And it was so amazing to go through it and to see how everything may have worked in Noah's day. But one of the fun experiences that my kids and I had was that the kids actually got to try their hand at mining for a little bit. Now, they could either choose to mine for fossils or gemstones. They had these big sandbags that either had fossils for you to to discover or gemstones. Now, my wife, being the spiritual, biblical one in our family, she was like, oh, I would love to discover some fossils because that would give us, you know, it's the fossil record that uh, disproves evolution and shows that creation and the global flood are actually true and the Bible is what it says it is. And so she was like, I would love to do that with the fossils. But me and the kids were like, no, give us the gemstones. We're like, we want to find diamonds, you know? We, we were thinking we would rather get rich off of these gemstones than to just discover a fossil, you know? So that gives you a little insight into who I am, what I'm like. But, but all my kids, they, they picked a gem bag, and, and we get that bag, and they opened it up. It looks like just a bunch of sand, but you pour it out into the screen, and you begin to wash it in a sluice of flowing water there. And slowly, these beautiful gemstones begin to show themselves. And it was so much fun just to watch my kiddos discovering these gems. You know, they're going, whoa, you know, I got a sapphire. And whoa, check this out. And they're they're going crazy over these beautiful rocks. You know, that's a lot like what it's like when you read the Bible and you discover that it is full of God's spiritual truths for you and I. They're, They're special treasures hidden in God's word. And we're going to open up that treasure chest. In fact, Ephesians 1 has been called the treasure chest of the believer. And it is in this chapter 1 that we're going to mine out seven spiritual truths that make up your identity, your foundation as a person who is in Christ Jesus here today. So first of all, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, we see that we are chosen. This is your first spiritual blessing today, the first gemstone, if you will. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So notice here with me, first of all, that every person who is trusting in Jesus to be saved has been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's mind-blowing right there. Now, some people, of course, like to take this concept and they'll twist it a little bit to fit a theological agenda, but let's leave that to those who dare to tread in those waters. For me, and for our purposes today, I just want to allow the beauty of this fact to overwhelm your heart. Being chosen is simply an act of God's grace where he chose you and I in Christ for salvation to all those that he foreknew would accept him. God chooses all those who are in Christ by his grace because you and I can do nothing by ourselves to be counted worthy of salvation You ask, well, how do I know if I'm one of those chosen ones, Pastor Phil? 
course, the simple answer to that question is to ask you these questions. Have you responded to the good news of Jesus Christ? Do you know that on your own you are not good enough to be saved by your own righteousness? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for your sins in your place so that you could be forgiven? Do you believe that he rose from the dead three days later and now sits at the right hand of God, the Father in heaven? Listen, if your answer to those questions is yes, then guess what? You have been chosen by God to be in Christ. And so all who believe have been chosen by God to be in Christ for what? For what? Notice what it says there. It says to be holy and blameless before him. Did you know that I tried for years and years to be holy and blameless on my own before God? I really struggled with this. I really struggled with trying to be good enough for God. In fact, for years, I tried in my own strength to be the husband that I knew I needed to be. It didn't work out so well, let me tell you. You see, the harder I tried to be a good husband, the husband that I knew God wanted me to be, the worse my marriage seemed to get. In fact, I almost wrecked my marriage. I wore myself out trying to look holy and blameless on the outside, but the truth is, inside, I was not where I should have been. I was not living a holy life. I was not living in obedience to the simplicity of following Jesus in my heart. So I would try harder, but nothing I could do in my own strength could ever get me where I needed to be. I still remember one night after a big fight with my wife. Yes, the pastor gets in big fights sometimes. And I went outside that night, and I was walking around, and I looked up at the moon, and I was talking to the Lord, and I was trying to work through this, these, these issues that I was having. And I was telling the Lord, I am trying as hard as I can, and everything I do, it doesn't seem to matter. It's not working. And it was in that moment, as I was looking up at this beautiful moon, and this, the amazing heavens, as you know, that's often, uh, the, the, the psalmist said that the heavens declare the glory of God. And it's in those moments where I often feel so close to the Lord. And it was like the Lord said to me in that moment, hey, you've been trying, Phil. Now you need to get out of the way and surrender. You see, I'm just waiting for you to come to the end of yourself, Phil. I'm just waiting for you to totally give up and surrender your life, surrender your marriage to me completely. I realized that I could not do it in my own strength. I didn't have the righteousness to be the husband that I needed to be. And it was only by learning to rest in the amazing grace of God and recognize that He was going to do the work in my life first and then through my life later. And that it was by living in the great truth of his salvation that he had chosen me to actually be holy and blameless before him. And that's what set me free from this life of trying to be righteous in my own strength. And we see that God has done that for all of us. Notice, in love. Did you see that? Did you see that? Don't miss those two little words there at the end of verse 4. 
God chose you in his love. And our God is such a God of love. Oh, he loves you and I so much. He lives out his love by choosing sinners like you and I to be in Christ before the foundation of the world by his amazing grace. Don't ever question whether or not God is a God of love. God loves you. You can see it all throughout the Bible. One of the biggest places I often see it is in the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and chapter 2, where you see that God created the heavens and the earth, and he makes this paradise and calls it the Garden of Eden, and he places Adam and Eve together in that beautiful garden. Oh, I've, I've imagined what it must have been like. <laughs> it must have been amazing to have this amazing paradise no sin, no death, no fear, no anxiety, nothing. Everything was perfect. And God says, here you go, Adam. Here you go, Eve. Enjoy it. Can you imagine what that must have been like? That's just a little smidgen, a little taste of the love that God has. And guess what? God has a plan to, to bring to consummation that plan of bringing us back to the Garden of Eden. I can't wait for it. It's going to be amazing. But secondly, a second spiritual truth is that we are predestined. Look at verse 5 with me. It says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now the word predestined in the Greek was a surveyor's term. If you live in the state of Texas, let's give you a little illustration to understand this. If you live in the state of Texas, that is because the borders of the state of Texas were laid out and set as a boundary. And it has been predetermined that all who live within those borders are Texans. So, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God, before creation, has done the same thing with Christ Jesus. He determined the boundary that all who would believe and receive the good news of Jesus Christ would be placed in Christ and share his destiny. Now, what specifically did God predestine? You and I, too? What specifically did God predestine all who would believe the good news, the gospel? We've been predestined to adoption, it says, as sons and daughters by Jesus to himself. In other words, what I want to point out to you is that God has provided a family for you and I to belong to. And in this family, there are many brothers and sisters and guess what? We will all be one with Christ for eternity. What a comfort to know that. Don't miss this either. Don't miss this. He's done all of this, notice, according to the good pleasure of his will. There's the love of God again. You see, God's amazing grace is his love. It's written all throughout the story of salvation. God loves you so much that he sent his only son to live the life of righteousness that we needed in order to be saved. And then he died on the cross as his substitute for you and for me and for the whole world so that if anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He did that because it pleased him to save us from our sins and from death the, the, the second death that sin produces, judgment. God doesn't want you to be judged for eternity. God wants you to enjoy salvation for eternity. 
Notice a third spiritual truth in verse 6 with me. We see that we are accepted because of Jesus Christ's death for our sins was accepted by God the Father. Now you and I are accepted by God. Our debt of sin was paid in full by Jesus Christ and we are now accepted into God's beloved. Oh, do you know what that means? To be in the beloved of God? To be one of God's beloved means that you're his special son. You're his special daughter. His love covers you completely. Now you guys know I've got five children at home and I love each one of them dearly. Each one of them is beloved to me. And, and I love to find ways to try to spend time with them in different ways and different times. But I want each one of them to know that they are my special beloved child. Jesus Christ has made sure that you have been accepted into the beloved of God. That is an amazing truth. Not only that, we've been redeemed according to verse 7. Here's spiritual blessing number four. The fundamental idea there in verse 7 of being redeemed is that of the setting free of a thing or a person that has come to belong to another. You see, what happens is, is that when we sin, we become enslaved to that sin. And that sin can take over our lives and it can put chains and bondage on us. In fact, it can bring bondage of the mind, the heart, and the body. But the amazing thing that God has done is that he has come in and said, hey, I'm breaking those chains. I'm breaking that enslavement and I'm letting this person go free. Under God's Old Testament law, sin required a sacrifice and Jesus became the perfect sacrifice. He gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice for your sin and my sin. Jesus has bought us back from sin and death. It says that the price for your freedom and my freedom came there in verse seven, through his blood. So what is offered freely to you and to me cost Jesus Christ everything. He laid down his life. That sin that brings bondage of the mind, the heart, and the body, Christ came and offered himself as the perfect and only sacrifice through which any person can be set free from that sin and the death it produces. And that leads us to yet another spiritual blessing, a gem, a nugget of truth that we are mining today, and that is that we are forgiven. Number five, we're forgiven Forgiveness of sin is what loosens the grip of sin over our lives. You see, knowing that we have been set free and forgiven from the guilt of committing those sins frees us up to truly live the life that God has called us to. You see, when I am forgiven and that guilt is gone, I know that I can charge even the gates of hell because Jesus Christ is with me and for me and not against me. Notice with me the reason for this forgiveness here in verse 7. It says that it is according to the riches of His grace. God's amazing grace is so rich in love and full of kindness and mercy. He is rich in grace. Therefore, He lives to save and to set free and to forgive. 
You see, the Lord is not like you or me, I'm sorry, or my wife or my kids. You see, I'm constantly coming to them and asking them for forgiveness. Hey, I'm sorry I did that. Hey, will you forgive me for treating you that way? But you know what? Although a wife or a brother or sister might, they might get a little tired of it. They might get a little worn out from you always coming and asking them to forgive you. But you know who never does? It's God. God who is rich in grace. He has so much grace, he never grows tired of you or I coming and asking him to forgive us and offering that forgiveness to us. He's rich in grace, and he's ready to forgive. Not only that, the Bible tells us here in this treasure chest, we also have been given an inheritance. That's verse 11. In verse 11, we read, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, right now, we, some of us, you, you may look at the, the stock market, you may look at the economy, and you might be thinking, wow, it's going to be really tough to give an inheritance to our kids. In fact, we're looking at the government you know, passing these trillion-dollar uh, aid packages, and, and that's great, it's wonderful, but we have to remember, too, that's all part of the inheritance that our kids and their kids and the kids' kids are going to get, too. And so we can look at the future and we can go, wow, I really don't know. It it seems a little shaky to me. I'm not sure how much of an inheritance I'll be able to give. But did you know that in Jesus Christ, God has taken care of your inheritance? God has taken care of your future and my future. In Christ, God has given us an inheritance. And that inheritance is glorious. It's absolutely glorious. It's beyond your imagination. It's the, it's the best inheritance you could ever get, trust me. And all of that, it's, it's all part of the package. It's all part of his salvation, amazing grace package that he's given to us. But not only that, lastly, number seven, we see that we're sealed with the Spirit. Look at verse 13 and 14 with me. It says that in Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. I love this. Just to make sure that you don't think all of this is too good to be true, God's like, let me seal you with the Holy Spirit so you know, without a doubt, that you belong to me. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. You know, that simply means that God is going to come through on his promise of eternal life to you and to me. Now, I've told you guys this story before, but I want to say it again. I can remember... 17 years ago, getting down on my knee on top of a mountain with my wife, Rebecca, there in front of me and opening up a little ring box and asking for her hand in marriage. And as she said yes to me and took that ring and put that ring on her finger, that ring became a guarantee of my promise to her 
that we were going to stand before the altar before God and pledge our love and lives to each other for the rest of our life. And that ring was the guarantee, if you will, of my promise to her to keep myself only for her and to be faithful to her alone. And that is the, the, the idea here, that God has given you the good gift of his Holy Spirit to indwell your heart. The moment that you believe the truth about what, who Jesus is and what he's done for you, God gives you that good gift of the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of your inheritance the guarantee that all of these things are not too good to be true. They are God's word and promise to you and to me. So there are at least seven spiritual blessings that are named here. And these seven spiritual blessings that we've talked about this morning from being in Christ, guess what? They meet the seven innate needs of every human being. What do I mean? Needs that are built into you. Needs that doesn't matter where you live in the world, what culture you're brought up in, whether you're poor, whether you're rich, no matter what your skin color is, you have the same basic needs as a human being. God has just designed us that way. People all over the world, no matter when, no matter who, no matter where, all of them have the same foundational needs. What are they? Well, we all need security. Number one, we need security. We need to feel secured, safe. Number two, guidance. We all need guidance. We need somebody that loves us enough to come along and to give us guidance in our lives. Number three, we need love. It, it, it's been shown that we cannot live without love in our lives. Fourthly, purpose. We all need a purpose to live for. What is it that is driving us? Why am I here? Fifthly, we need an identity. We need to know who we are. Sixth, every person needs freedom. We need to have some autonomous freedom to be able to know, hey, this is my life and I'm shaping this. And then seventh, to feel valued. Every single person needs to feel that there's a place for them, that there's, they have value, that someone looks upon them and says, you have value. Guess what? That's the way that God has designed all of our deepest needs. But every single one of those needs is met in Christ. Every single one of them. The good news about who Jesus is and what he has done to be able to offer salvation to any and to all who choose to believe and trust him. When you do that, those seven spiritual blessings in Christ meet every single one of the needs that we have in the deepest part of our being. Now in Luke chapter 6, as I finish this message this morning, I want to tell you the same story that Jesus told. Jesus told a story about two men who were building their houses. And in the story that Jesus tells, the houses they're building actually represent their lives before God. And in the story, there's one man who hears the things of God, the teachings of God, the sayings of God, the truth about life. And he takes his life and he takes that truth and he does nothing with it. He goes and he builds his house on the sand. And of course, you guys know the story. When the, when the rains come and the storms come and the, 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 the rain is washing away the foundation of his house and, and his house collapses. In other words, he faces the second death as a result of trusting in himself 
You see, he thought he could do it his way. He thought he could make it happen in his own strength. But at the end of the day, he had chosen unwisely to build his foundation on shifting sand. The things of this world, guys, the truths, the principles of man will not last. They will not last. If you build your life on that foundation, your house will crumble eventually. Oh, it may look great. It it may look amazing on the outside. It might look like a mansion. But God's word says that that house will crumble and great will be its fall one day. The second man hears the same truth. He hears the same principles of God's word about life and where to build your, your life. And he goes and he builds his house on the rock. Now the rock in in the story Jesus tells, it is the word of God, it is the truth principles, it is the good news of Jesus Christ. God has given you and I his amazing grace in salvation and that is what is to be the foundation of your life. If you build your life on anything besides the amazing grace that we have just looked at in Ephesians chapter one, your house will crumble. So you and I need to take heed today. We need to pay attention. We need to build our house, our lives, every single day on the rock of God's amazing grace. If I can leave you with one truth, as the pastor here, it would be that God has given you grace to run your race. So you now and I, we must each in our own way work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who is working in us both both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I can't run your race, and you can't run mine, but I know this. Whatever your race is, whatever God's race is for your life, he has given you the grace to be able to do it. And he has an abundance of it. He's rich in grace. And his love for you is real. And he wants you to find that. He wants you to to, to rest on it and to build your life on it. So never forget it. Never forsake it. And you will live forever. If you're listening to me this morning, please don't tune out before you hear this. God loves you. He created you for a relationship with him. It's our sin that separates us from him. Our sin separates us from a holy God. And and our sin cannot simply be removed by doing a bunch of good things. You can give to charity, you can volunteer, you can do lots of really good things as a person, but if you're doing them in your own strength, motivated by your desire to save yourself, It all counts as nothing. Your sin, the sins that have never been covered, they they incur penalty. But Jesus Christ has made a way. He's paid the price for all our sins by dying on the cross and rising from the grave three days later. And the Bible tells us, God tells us, that everyone who trusts in him alone receives forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life. Life with Jesus starts today.
and it starts every single day, and it lasts forever. So what must you do to be saved? Well, Jesus tells us he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So have you come to Jesus? Have you built your life on his truth? And are you trusting in that? Did you know that you can put your faith in Jesus right where you sit today? Believe that he died for you on the cross and trust him alone to forgive you for your sins. As soon as you do that, just like we read about, you become adopted, chosen to be in Christ, predestined for this amazing inheritance. Before the foundation of the world, he knew in his foreknowledge, God in his omniscience, he knows all things. And he wants you to enter into a permanent and personal relationship with him where you come to him every day trusting him, living in salvation, working out your sanctification. Perhaps you've done that before in your life, but today you're tuning in and you sense that God is wanting you to make a recommitment to the Lord. So I want to take a moment this morning at the end of this message on this special day to lead you in a prayer to trust in Jesus Christ right now, whether that is a recommitment to him because you've strayed or you've become distracted or you've become apathetic and you've, you've left off your first love, or whether it's for the first time you're hearing this and you're going, wow, that is the foundation that I need. I need God's amazing grace to build my life. If that's you, I would like to pray for you. And I'd like for you to pray with me. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you're driving, you don't need to close your eyes. Please keep them open. But take a second to pray with me this morning. If you're trusting in Jesus today, you're making that decision, then you can express your faith to Jesus simply by saying a prayer like this one. Say, dear God, I want to thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins and taking my place. I trust in him to forgive me for all of those wicked things that I've ever done. And I receive this free gift of life that you are offering today through faith. Amen. Amen. Now listen to me. That prayer that you just said, the prayer didn't save you. It's your trust in Jesus Christ that saves you. Don't ever forget that. You see, there's going to be many people, unfortunately, who have said that same prayer or one just like it. But they will die and their soul will be in hell at the end. Why? Because they never trusted in Jesus Christ. It's not the words of a prayer that save you. It's your faith in the Son of God. And the evidence that you have trusted in Jesus is simply that you cling to him for the rest of your days, that you love him. And, and that's how we're going to end the service this morning. So I'd like to ask our worship team to come on out. And, and I want to begin right now to show love and faith and thankfulness and gratefulness to Jesus Christ for his amazing grace to run 
our race. Amen. Let's pray. Well, hey, I hope you are comforted as I am, knowing that God is in control, knowing that his love surrounds us. His amazing grace is what our lives are built on. We don't need to be troubled during these times. We can move forward confidently, standing in his grace, knowing he's, he's provided everything that we need. Well, I, uh, I'm going to miss you guys, and I love you guys. I want you to know that. And I'll, be, I'll be keeping track on things as we go forward. But I want you to know that my heart's cry, my prayer as a pastor for this church is that you would just stay rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and in his word. And I know that I'm leaving you guys in great hands with Justin Gold, and he's gonna continue just to teach the word. That's what, that's what we do at Calvary Chapel. We believe in the word of God, and we know that this is the book that we all need to base our lives on. It's the ultimate authority. And so Jesus, or Justin and Jesus, Jesus and Justin are gonna continue to carry this work forward in Christ and I am excited to see what God has in store. As I said before, I believe firmly the promise that God works all things together for good to those that love him and to those that are called according to his purpose. So I wanted to share that with you guys this morning before I sign off. It has been such a joy to be your pastor. I wanna tell you this church is special. Every single person that attends this church has made us feel welcome and loved. You guys are a special group of people that God is going to use to reach many for his name. He's doing a great work here. I know he's going to continue to do an even greater one after me and my family are gone. But we, we, we wouldn't have picked it this way. We wouldn't have uh, you know, chosen perhaps this way to, to go out. Um, but I believe that God is sovereign. And I believe that there's a, there's a reason even for this. And so um, I'm sending a virtual hug right now to everybody. In fact, you can get up off the couch and go hug somebody and just say, this is a hug from Pastor Phil because this is a hug from Pastor Phil to all of you. Love you guys. And um, it, uh, we, we um, have made some changes in our plans uh, moving forward. We, we are going to probably be leaving Texas a little sooner than we thought. But um, well, you can reach out to us and, and uh, email us or, or on Facebook or whatever it is. But uh, we, we love you guys, and uh, we will be praying for you, and we know that God is just going to continue to do great and awesome things. And, and what I love about this the most, actually, is that it's really not about me and my family. It's about the greater work that God is doing and, and everything that he's going to continue to do. And uh, so it's, it's probably, you know, God in his wisdom that's not allowing us to have maybe the, the, sin, the big send-off that maybe I wanted. Um, but, but I know this. I know that God has a reason for everything he does, and it's a good thing. So trust me when I tell you, hey, we might not like this, but God's in it. It's okay. We're going we're gonna, to uh, just continue to, to follow the Lord. And so do that. Let's close with this last song. If, if you're there in your living room, hey, stand up right now. It's time to get up off the couch. It's time to, even if you're in your PJs, I don't care. Just get up, and we're going we're gonna to praise the Lord. We're going to raise a hallelujah and um, just sing this song to the Lord this morning. All right?